it's Kristen Garth and today we're having a sonnet nap time treat because it's in the afternoon I was going to record or I did record last night an entire episode for Valentine's Day that was all gonna be perfect come out on Valentine's Day and I was even had my Valentine's Day champagne buzz and um, <laughs> who knows maybe it, you maybe everyone was um, done a big favor by by um, mercury and retrograde as I was told is to blame but um after I recorded it and I was trying to rename the file in this voice memo file I have on my MacBook, it um if you do something just like the slightest little whatever I mean you have to be very careful when you're like renaming these because it's so easy if you hit like back you know space to delete the entire file apparently it's happened to me a couple of times but it hadn't happened in a while because I've been more careful except that of course you know on Valentine's Day when I've been celebrating a little too much I wasn't so careful so anyway I I was gonna record it again last night because I just you know get in my mind like very rigid ideas of like it must be on Valentine's Day um but I just couldn't bring myself you know, I was, I was going to, I mean, I actually have picked out all new poems because I can't just sit there and read the same thing again and feel like I'm, you know, saying the same thing again or a version of the same thing, which is kind of freaked me out. So I, this whole podcast is different poems than you would have heard yesterday. And, um, you know, so in that way, it's all fresh to me too, but I just couldn't do it again last night to do two in a row of, of them. So I took the night off and watched Hunter, which I had a poem come out today. And that was actually one of the poems that I read last night, but I'm, I don't think it's on my list to read today. I make a list, you know, when I do these and I, I get everything all kind of organized, you know, and, and make up my little picture. But um, I, so then I forget sometimes, you know, until I look at my little file, what I've appointed myself to read, but I don't think the Hunter one is on here now. Um, but um, you can read that in Punt Noir magazine if you'd like, and I'm sure I will record that um, soon, you know, maybe for um, Instagram and, and Twitter and stuff. But um, anyway, <laughs> it's not Valentine's Day, but I still have an emo, moody, um, like romantic, well, the, these are kind of, I think most of them have to do with um, kind of a weird version, you know, more of a pining version of romance where you're um, not getting what you wanted. <laughs> so this is what these bones, this heart, that's what this name of this podcast is. And I'm going to read the first one of those right now. And it is called... I need to learn to love myself the way I love James Spader. Facile fetishization of feathered hair. A partition, pretty and pink physique. Transmutes to three-piece tweed suits. Wizened stare, equally as debonair. A mystique peaked over time. I have loved him lurking in a high school hall. I have loved him make a secretary crawl. Loved him impotent, reliant on videotapes. Loved the extra flesh, the widened nape, that frame eyes, voice, and soul I cannot escape. They are superior and somehow the same. 
as when I first glimpsed him, new to fame. A teenage schoolgirl, I learn of pain, his name. Middle age, I moan across a desk the same. And I wrote that poem, obviously, because I love James Spader. <laughs> and I have, since I was, you know, in high school, um, watching uh, Pretty in Pink, and he was, looked like he was a 30-year-old <laughs> playing a high school student. But he was in the, a very, you know, evil, you know, high school student. But at the same time, just like a Greek god, you know, and, you know, I didn't, I never understood in those, like, movies, you know, the appeal, like, at Andrew McCarthy, like, I cannot imagine being a girl and watching that movie, even as terrible as he is, and it's awful, and you're like, I, look, Andrew McCarthy's nice, you know, whatever, although, you know, he's kind of sketchy, too, because he does hang out with a guy he knows is pretty bad, I mean, you know, like, whatever, at least, I mean, James Spader is who he is in that movie, but Andrew McCarthy, to me, is like a faux good guy. I mean, he, you know, he comes around, you know, and gets himself together, but, you know, he's kind of a beta, you know, bad boy at a, a point. You know, he's, he wants to be in that crowd, um, you know, of the popular cruel kids, but I'm not, I'm not like that, but I want to associate with it, you know. So, anyway, but I can't help it with James Spader. I mean, he's terrible and, you know, all of those things. But that's who, I mean, there was no question. I mean, that was the first, my first attraction to him was that movie. Then you go into, like, Sex Lies and Videotape, you know. And, I, I mean, I can't even, I, I'm, like, tingling all over just talking about that right now. So, you know, it, it, it's, um... <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to have a good um, ability to talk about James Spader too long because I'm going to get too worked up. But the point is, you um, you know, there's much material. But, you know, and, and most recently, Secretary, which I'm going to start giggling because I love that movie so much. But, but the main thing I wanted to talk about with this poem and what I wrote was that, I, that these movies represent, you know, decades of his life going on. I mean, you know, if you look at him from Pretty in Pink to Secretary, he, it's almost unrecognizable, you know. Uh, yet, at the same time, I'm attracted to both of those iterations of him, you know. And whereas with myself, you know, I could show, you know, I like look at pictures of myself from stripping where I feel like I was at most at my like physical ideal, you know. And I, I don't forgive, I look at myself now and, you know, like, I do okay, you know what I'm saying? Like, people seem to like my pictures online, most people. I mean, I get trolls and all that, too. But what I'm, but, but me, it's very hard for me to forgive myself aging the way that I forgive. I don't even have to forgive James Spader. I don't even, you know, hold it against him at all. I just you know, love him in this new iteration, and that's how I should feel about myself, you know, and that's what this poem is about, is, you know, going out and just accepting yourself as you are, and, like, not, you know, having, like, these unrealistic standards, or finding the new things about yourself to love, and also allowing yourself to be 
you know, still be those parts of yourself that you do, you know, um, like, you know, uh, I'm still the schoolgirl, and, you know, like, I worry, I mean, I, people probably think, well, you already do this, because you, you know, I, that's my image on, online, like, the schoolgirl thing, but, um, but I have a lot of insecurities about it, I'm always thinking, I can't believe, you know, somebody's gonna start making fun of me any moment, you know, and um, I just need to let that go, you know, and accept praise, you know what I mean? Like the way that I would, you know, that James Spader seems to be able to accept it and, and, and not, you know, feel self-conscious. And I mean, who knows, you know, if he does, but he definitely radiates that kind of, you know, uh, internal self-confidence. And I would like to have that, you know, more. <laughs> so anyway, that's a poem that I wrote about that sonnet. And I am going to read you another about um, that I just wrote the other day, and it is a new Twin Peaks poem that I wrote, and I, it's going to be an um, impossible task with uh, um, from another new calligraphy, and it's called "Your Father Bought a Pony, But Not for You," and this poem um, was really inspired, obviously, by Twin Peaks and like the relationship between Laura and Audrey, which isn't much of a relationship they're not like friends with their peers but she, you know Audrey was always jealous of Laura because she knew that her father had wrong you know obviously very wrong feelings towards Laura but where she was just kind of neglected because she's his daughter and he's not interested you know in her in any impure ways and so he's not interested in her at all and so in, in, like, The Secret Diary of Laura Palmer, we find out there's a, um, there was a fight that Laura finds out about that Audrey and her father had because Audrey found out that Ben Horn bought Laura a pony, you know, which is, like, the ultimate, you know, like, what you want your father, you know, to, you know, pure kind of, you know, fatherly love gift to a daughter, you know, to buy her a pony, but she found out, you know, Laura, and she's just, it, sends her into a rage and um it just made me think because uh, myself and you know childhood sexual abuse and things I've gone through and you kind of are aware that you know like I don't know how far things went with Laura Palmer and um Ben Horn if it was just intentions that he had that he didn't act on you know, or if there was that, you know, which is abusive in itself. And I mean, she definitely was aware. And, and when you're aware that somebody wants to do something with you when you're younger, I mean, that leaves a mark on you too. It's, it's, um, so I'm not saying, you know, it's not, it wasn't abusive if he didn't touch her. It was definitely abusive. But, um, I know from personal experience, you know, how another person can see, even abusive treatment that you get when they don't get any kind of treatment and they get neglect it makes them jealous and I've been through that myself and so anyway I wanted to write something about it and here it is your father bought a pony but not for you for Audrey Horn and Laura Palmer girls working at counters often daydream you clutch a tree-printed sweater, finger seams like lines of rough hands, 
desire is a scheme. Men buy bad girls' ponies, muffle their screams. Cream-colored creatures you cannot abide. Only soon-to-be-dead girls dare to ride. Two toe-headed manes men spot easily in the dark. Death, a pale horse, awaiting monarchy, anarchy. It makes a female's living, female lives in puberty when friends become a father's fantasy. Um, so uh, the next poem I'm going to read, uh, well, next couple of poems I'm going to read really have to do with um, things that I've lost a lot this in the past year um, from relatives to uh, a friend, a kind of a, a ghosting situation, what, not like even one of those that, you know, how sometimes, you know, it's not like anything happened, you know, you just lose track of somebody that was a very close friend and then suddenly they're just not, you know, in your day-to-day -day life anymore for whatever reason and it feels very dramatic and um, so the first poem that I'm going to read um, that was about a tree. <laughs> it's not about a person at all, but it's a tree that died in the hurricane, which was like five months ago that I'm still, my house is completely, um, you know, down to like half of my house is down to the studs and I have no floors, but finally, um, insurance is coming, you know, through and that's going to help, you know, with some of everything. And, Hopefully things will be getting fixed. I keep saying it's hard to hope, you know, because when it's been like five months, you just start to not want to get your hopes up anymore. But it, it, like, it drives me crazy living in the situation that I'm in right now. So, um, and one of the big losses was that I lost a tree. And um, I um, last week I did the podcast outside. There was no way I could do it today. I'm in bed. That's why I called it the nap time. Um, Kristen Whispers sonnets because I got snuggled under my covers because it's so freezing today. But um, they ha came, these men came and removed the dead tree because I had, it, that cost, you know, a lot of money to get them. I mean, it was a huge, it took up almost a lot of my front yard, you know, in its death. But um, what the, and it really, it's like a hole in the skyline now of, of my you know yard because I have a lot of trees but but that one was so big you know it just leaves a big hole and even the ground where it sat for five months is all you know you you can definitely tell where it was and everything so and uh, after it was gone you still are very aware it's like I thought I'd feel better when it was gone and I wouldn't have to see this dead tree that I loved all the time but you see the hole and it's a lot like I feel like relationships and when someone's gone and you recognize that hole that's left behind but here is to the deceased tree a hurricane killed wait five months for men to take you away my front yard for two seasons your corpse on display monopolizes my view decay every day Limbs forbid my intrusion on luminous days when a girl might stray into the blades with a book and a pen, a mundanity of yesterday. Your exit requires a bobcat and men. Thousands of dollars, weekend of work. Impression you leave behind in the dirt, 
arouses in me the hope of spring's sown succession, but to the rude realization I'll die before the next tree fills your hole in the sky. And yeah, it was just this realization that, you know, how long does it take for a tree to get that big, you know? And even, you know, yeah, I could plant another tree, but, uh, you know, by the time that it got that big, I won't be around to see it, you know? And it was just a whole moment of, you know, there was a lot of that in the past year of like, in losing, you know, relative and losing, you know, having massive like property damage and like water coming into your house from a bay and like that you could have drowned you know <laughs> like there was a lot of moments of reflecting on like mortality as well as much as anything else and um you know this was one that I didn't anticipate you know when I was until it was gone and I realized you'll never fill that hole you you and your lifetime will never fill that hole and it's just like, oh, wow, that's kind of bleak. So anyway, <laughs> I it will plant another tree because, you know, it'll be there for somebody. But I'm going to read one more poem today. And this one is the one I wrote about a person. It was written about a friend of mine who, you know, you just, I mean, I, I think a lot of people, you know, with the pandemic, you know, it's like, it uprooted so many lives, you know, like some people, it's like became more online people, some people had to leave from being online people because your whole life just changed around, and, you know, I mean, you know, people are struggling just to survive, so, I mean, you know, for some people, they just can't, you know, it's like they got to take care of, you know, real life, and, um, and, you know, it's just one of those reminders that you aren't their real life, you know, and, um, not that I don't know to me like both things are real life to me I if I have a friendship with somebody online I you know try to honor that I mean like I won't you know if you know of course I'm not saying if it's an unhealthy friendship I've definitely backed away from those but um I you know it, it, I needed to write some things about about the end of this and so this is kind of a bleak, <laughs> a bleak human poem, too. But it came out today um, in Famadan um, Journal, and I'm, you know, really excited. I love being in their journal, and they're publishing my book, um, Girlarium, this spring, which is just I still can't get over it. I I also got really good news that I did. I was all talking about at length on the podcast that got destroyed, but I'll talk about it here too. That I'm in um, my book, um, Atheist Barbie, which is all like sex and death poems and poems about, you know, just God being godless and in this, you know, world as we know it here and, and a girl living in the Bible Belt who is an atheist. Anyway, it's um, a little micro collection that's coming out with um, Maverick Duck, which has published um, three of my books before, um, Pink Classic House, Good Girl Games, and, um, and Shut Your Eye, Suck Your Eye, and they're going to publish Atheist Barbie, and I'm so excited about that, and thankful to Kendall Bell for, um, you know, always, he was, a, my Pink Plastic House was my first book, and obviously it led to a whole aesthetic that I um, made a journal around and everything else, so it's 
really nice, you know, to um, watch it come together. And, you know, and now I feel like, you know, I always have like a, it's like my home base, you know, <laughs> and I show up there and he's so kind to me to publish something that I wanted to do a book, uh, The Atheist Barbie, where I, I got to um, just kind of have fun, you know, like where I grew up, it's, you know, still it's hard to like tell people I'm an atheist, like you almost want to whisper it, you know, and there are people here, I guarantee that if I said it to the wrong person, they would, you know, accuse me of being a witch or, and that's not a good accusation, you know what I mean, like I would be harassed, you know, um, you know, so it's just kind of like owning something that's a little, um, you know, politically incorrect and scary for you. And I'm really happy and excited. But it's it's a fun book. It's not a dark book. You know, it's a very sexual <laughs> book, too. So, um, because, like, the, the main tagline from, from the, the poem Atheist Barbie is, you know, nothing is deeper than sex, not even death. And it's just basically, like, you know, don't let these, um, you know, Judeo-Christian ideas of, you know, morality and, like, sexuality that I was raised on, and, I, and albeit, I will say, you know, in an abusive way, and, and not to say that other people, that, you know, there, there aren't good ways to do it. I definitely was not taught these things in a good way, so <laughs> take that with, you know, a grain of salt that, you know, this is my commentary on my being raised, but I, it was a battle for me specifically to, like, you know, enjoy sexuality and I think I have won that battle <laughs> so I'm going to read the last poem now called These Bones and you know it's kind of a requiem for a friendship sequester my specter soul in plain sight spread wide skeleton in stratus clouds bound we speak a dialect beyond wrong and right Inside a fresh grave you dig, I shall lie down. Shudder the eyelids, speak summer no more, of lavender nurtured by my decay. Shudder at thoughts I was something adored, these bones a game you decided to play. When they were penetrable, swathed in skin, unblemished its pallor, by bruises, bites, without any defenses, stratagem. These bones are too brittle to put up a fight. Cruelest lessons learned on loneliest nights. Resurrection requires a slight respite. And, you know, it's just kind of a poem I wrote about, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, it's taken me a little while to get over the end of that friendship, and um, I'm definitely, I'm not over it yet, but I'm a lot better about it, you know, it's not that, um, and, it, and it wasn't like it ended on a horrible, you know, there was no fight, it's just one of those things where somebody just disappears, you know, and somebody that you talk to every day, and, you know, thought you had a, you know, real bond with, and, you know, I guess I have that kind of heart that I don't, you know, I get hurt easily, and I know that about myself, and I should, you know, and I try, I'm trying to do better of, you know, protecting it better, like, um, you know, probably at the, you know, 
sadly, ironically, you know, like I think I'm harder to maybe get close to now, you know, because of situations like this where, you know, I was very just kind of went in, you know, without with all my defenses down, you know, and, you know, you get hurt and then the next person that comes along that wants to be your friend, you know, you give them a harder time than maybe, you know, you're harder to get to know. And it's probably, you know, it's sad, you know, it really is sad. But um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I, I went through a lot, like, you know, suffering, um, the loss of that, and, I, you know, you have to balance out, like, also, I went through some things in the past year in another situation where, you know, I put, opened up my heart to somebody who was at totally not what they at all, you know, pretended to be. And, you know, it was so, I mean, it's not all this one, you know, situation. I mean, I've had some, you know, whatever. So I'm trying, you know, it's like you don't want to be so closed off. I mean, you've got to be alive and put yourself out there and have friends. And I, I hope, you know, that I will, you know, be able to do that better you know but I like I have a lot of fears <laughs> you know now and I have a lot of you know I just I've gone through a lot of suffering and you know I, I I'm hoping this year was going to be more about comfort and as I look around at my crazy house I'm you know I don't pray I don't obviously I'm an atheist but you know if, like if I could cast a spell you know to save this house you know make this house seem like a normal house again oh my gosh I you know I would give anything for that so I'm getting morose and it's like I said maybe I should take a nap but it's very cold here and bleak so it's probably why I didn't mean to get all so sad although I did know this was going to be a soulful podcast because you know there's a lot of loss in, in these poems today and so I hope I didn't bring everyone down. Um, but anyway, that's how these bones roll, you know. But um, I am going to call it a podcast <laughs> and sign off and um, try to do some get caught up on other things. I'm so behind on everything right now. and um, But it's a privilege, you know. It's a privilege to be, have your work be something you love, which is, definitely writing for me and poetry and doing all these you know parts like you know bringing that joy to other people is so important to me so if you're going to take a nap maybe find your um stuffed animal because i have uni here with me in the covers and we're going to cuddle up and i'm going to say good afternoon to you for now and thank you for listening to Kristen whispers sonnets and I am going to say bye